Hey everyone, welcome to Roll the Tape, presented by Dazed and Rissler. We've linked up to create this studio space uh, for the uh, next generation artists to perform, hang out, talk about their work, continuing Rizzler's long history and heritage of supporting music culture. Today I'm here with the multifaceted, hugely talented Koji Radical. Raised in East London, uh, Koji trained as a dancer, started writing poetry in college and first dropped music in 2014. And I think this interest in different disciplines definitely helped to make him the unique artist that he is today. He's just performed Wuha for us here today, out now, uh, which was amazing. We can all see what performer. Welcome, Koji. Hello. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm all right, you know. I'm good. I can't complain. I think um, I'm starting to like learn to really appreciate days where I can't complain. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Everyone's it's been a mad time for the world and for everybody personally as well. Definitely, definitely. Talk us through Wuha, uh, you know, kind of when it was written uh, and what it's about. Um, I've been working on my album for a while and um, it got to a point where we had recorded maybe like 100 to 200 songs. We still felt like we didn't have it. And, um, and I've got like a small circle of producers, do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I normally work with Swindle and KZ mm -hmm. more or less exclusively and might dabble and work with some new producers, but I managed to get into the studio with, um, with a production duo called The Fanatics. Mm -hmm. um, they're incredible. Yeah, I know them, they're sick. Incredible, and, and we, we managed to get about four in like two sessions. One ended up on the album, Others are in the ether, and one is Wuha. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt like I just, people appreciate the fact that I take my time with my music. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't think anybody's like rushing me for the album. They are, but they're not. <laughs> but I think um, everyone's got to eat, you know what I'm saying? So it's a little appetizer. Cool. So yeah, you've been making a record and you started in March of last year. So just as lockdown mm. hit, you know, you, you do such, cinematic kind of you know, that's what your music is to me you mm. know really visual not just in the videos but lyrically mm. so i'm kind of wondering you know in this period where everyone's been super isolated and, and not able to go out and not experience the world in the same way you know where are you drawing inspiration from and how have you found that you know creatively you know as you make this record um i really struggled in the beginning of the pandemic to find inspiration anywhere because I felt like I'd used all my experiences prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then now was required to immediately have new ones to write about. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. And um, every day was slowly becoming the same. And slowly but surely it was harder to find motivation to even pick yourself up and say, all right, let's just do it. And um, I think for me, I started the album by removing the pressure of starting the album. Mm -hmm. so I just started with music. Mm -hmm. And I would get on Instagram Live like every other day, if not every day, and just make records, make about three or four records on Instagram with people sending in beats and mm -hmm. interacting with me in the comment section. And it was, uh, it was really refreshing to have that, um, that, rep that rapport with, mm -hmm. with a fan base and have that dialogue where I understand they appreciate how I work. I have a better understanding of what they want to see. Mm -hmm. And um, most of it was the process. 
kind of allowed me to tap back into what I enjoyed about making music, which was um, reacting. Mm-hmm. Music is just like, it's love, it's passion. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I can't really ever pick like, oh, I'm going to make this sound or that sound. I just hear something and mm-hmm. enjoy it. And I, I started to notice a couple themes happening. I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's do this. Much the enjoyment of probably everyone around me because I've put off making an album for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this one felt like it was it was the right time to do so. I think um, once the world started opening up, I was already in full swing of making the album, so I was, still wasn't getting any new experiences. But mm-hmm. hindsight is it's forty forty. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you think you, it was really important for you to be reaching out to your fans and kind of having that dialogue with them. I guess at a time when you were kind of like, probably like, you know, at home, just, you know, rattling around on your own a bit, was it, did you feel like you needed their kind of support at that point? I'm really stubborn and I don't feel like I need anyone. <laughs> until, until they're there and, when you realize, Until you do. Yeah, until you're like, wow, you guys are really great. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but also I think it's like, I, I try not to think of anybody that supports my music as a fan because Sometimes I think that's quite a dehumanising experience. I think there's a respect element or an enjoyment element of saying I'm a fan of somebody. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's also a God complex that comes with the receiver of that. Like, I'm a fan of you. It's like, all right, well, in what, mm-hmm. what capacity? Um, and I think being able to interact with my fans, just kind of like human to human, just remove that. I just felt like I was having conversations with people I know. Mm-hmm. Especially like speaking about more of the difficult moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things that I go through, it's not that I don't think other people do, mm-hmm. but I don't think other people expect me to. Mm-hmm. So when they bring that conversation to me and we get to talk about stuff that's a little bit more personal, um, stuff to do with like mental health, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's a very humanizing experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been really outspoken about mental health, you know, in the past, and it's something that's dear to you and close to you. And how have you found that over the, you know, the past 12 months, and how have you kind of navigated that? I always say the best way to navigate mental health is one day at a time. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's, not like, it's not like a wound you can put a plaster over mm-hmm. and hope when you take the plaster off, it's just magically healed. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, some days it will be and some days it won't be. And the sooner you get to that acceptance, the easier it is to process days that aren't as positive as others. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that something, something there might be nothing negative happening around you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? You just don't feel positive. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it starts there. I think per circumstance it gets deeper. Some things can be triggered by people, by traumas, by... Um, by surroundings, by environments. But um, I think on a basic level, people can recognize days when they feel happy and when they don't. And um, just accepting that both are a part of life is, is a good start in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, as we've just seen, you're an amazing live performer, intense, energetic, and you know, you're kind of very present in it when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Is that something you've missed a lot, you know, and, and you're really looking forward to doing again? Yeah, man. I love live, man. I love performing. I think um, that was the hardest part mm. about the whole um, pandemic was not being able to perform. I think um, everything else can shut down, but you can't stop the music. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like 
if you're in an environment where there's music playing and everyone's vibing and someone just presses stop, mm-hmm. everyone pauses and looks directly at the music because they notice it's missing. Mm-hmm. You can't see it. Do you know what I mean? Music isn't a person walking through a room. Mm-hmm. As soon as it's not in the room, it's like, whoa, where did they go? Why didn't they say bye? Do you know what I'm saying? So I think, um, yeah, it was hard, man. It was hard, but especially because I had, I had sold out my tour and it was like my first big tour that I was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. UK tour. UK tour yeah. and Europe right. and America. So we sold out American dates. We think, I think we sold out the European dates. And um, yeah, we'd gone clear in the UK. And I, I got to do the American tour. And then Filmby was coming back to do like Germany or something and the show was done. But like, it was tough, man. It was tough, but you bounced back. And you had some amazing news. Uh, last year you became a father. Yes, I did. Yeah, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Thank and how has that changed you? What's it been like, you know? How are you doing? It humbled me quite a bit, becoming a father, I think. Um, I think it's very easy to get used to the pace of life being very fast in an industry like this. Mm-hmm. And unless something drastically slows you down, you're only ever accelerating. Mm-hmm. You never know what obstacles you're gonna run into. So I think having a child just gave me the, the ability to kind of slow down and look around and say, do you know what, that might be for you and that might not be for you. Because ultimately you're, you're doing everything for them. I think it slows you down and speeds you up. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? When it comes to like business and and, and figuring things out, making smarter investments, speeds you up. Mm-hmm. When it term, comes to making dumb decisions, <laughs> <laughs> slows you down. So I think um, I'm very grateful to my son for that. I think Bamboo was the, the video I saw of yours, I think 2015. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, when, and that came out, it blew me away. Yeah. You know, I was immediately just so interested in, in you and what you were doing. Mm. As I was saying before, you know, your music has such a cinematic you, you know, aura to it, but I think that's married with the visuals. And, and how involved are you kind of still with, with kind of the videos? Are you looking forward to that element, the visual side of it when you've got an album coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this album is definitely definitely very visual. And I think, um, I think to a certain degree, I've always seen myself as an artist in a broad sense. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to writing the music, I'm an author, when it comes to, um, Picking out the music is, is you, you're a curator, um, and when it comes to like seeing sound, you, you become a director in that sense. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's just trying to make sure my next movie is different to my last movie, but mm-hmm. still equally as great. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I'm at at the minute. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to also ask, and and how you feel like you have, you know, let's let's say 23 winters. Kashmir Tears, let's say, you know, their movies, you know? Yeah. And how, how is this one different and equally as great to the previous work? How, and how have you developed as an artist? How have you moved on? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say 23 Winters was, was a coming of age story mm-hmm. in a sense where, um, despite the fact that like manhood is meant to happen around 18, technically legally, mm-hmm. you're a boy until your mid 20s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and trying to figure out who you are in, in a world where um, you might be the other mm-hmm. is always kind of sticky to navigate. So I, I would say that project and if that EP becomes a film, that movie is about that. And In God's Body is, is um, like a traveller's tale. Mm-hmm. Somebody on a journey to kind of figure out themselves. 
what they want to do next um, and trying to find a sense of self and a higher power um, and that materializes as God and, and God becomes female mm-hmm. and um, and it comes down to all the conversations and the, the it's like all right we're made in we're made in God's body and if the world is born then it has to be given birth to so whoever is up there has to be a woman mm-hmm. if we're made in his flesh or her flesh then the closest people to that are the women around them so the conversations that we have day to day are part of these little fragments that are meant to teach us about life so that's what that project was mm-hmm. about very convoluted don't think it landed <laughs> but, <laughs> but um and then i did cashmere tears took two years off the cashmere tears in that time i think um, my career had advanced mm-hmm. quite a bit because of a single run that i had with water in 97 if mm-hmm. i remember. and um i felt like there was a lot of people that were still getting to know me while i was trying to get to know myself around the time I was probably experiencing the most life changes all at once. Do you know what I mean? Whether it was like gaining new relationships or losing old ones, whether it's to do with love, life or death. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, a lot of that conjured up a lot of dark feelings with me for a long time. Um, and that's probably when I was struggling most with mental health. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of create a project that was around the idea of celebrating your emotions as a luxury, not feeling down by the fact that you feel down, but using the fact that you feel something still to this day as a luxury and as something to celebrate. Um, and that was Cashmere Tears. So I think by this album, for me, it's trying to consolidate, consolidate, ah, for me, this album is about trying to um, bring together all the experiences that I feel like encompass my manhood mm-hmm. and decide whether they're either just experiences or moments of regret, I guess. Mm-hmm. So a look at masculinity. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mother's tale as well. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's going to be enjoyed, man. Mm-hmm. People are, people are going to hear it and get it or not get it and it don't matter. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I could say my album's about a million things under the sun. If you don't like the first three tracks, you ain't getting to number seven. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it'd be amazing. You know, I, I, I can't wait to hear it. Um, we've also got some, some reader questions. Okay. Um, that came through on our Instagram. Um, some good ones as well. One thing um, that someone wanted to know, where does the name Koji Radical come from? It's a very boring story. Let's know. hear it, man. All right. So the name Koji Radical wasn't bestowed upon me by 3,000 ancient ancestors mm-hmm. who did a ceremony around the cauldron. <laughs> it was a username that I picked from a comic book that I had drawn of myself. Right. So when I was in secondary school, I drew a comic book. This isn't a boring story. Is it not? No. I thought it sucks. <laughs> with a name like Radical, you want the story to be like, you was on a horseback, do you know what I mean? Throwing <laughs> Poisonous darts at gypsies and dragons, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just on some old school thing, some Lord of the Rings stuff. You know when he jumps off the um, the, the giant orc and he's like, boom. Yeah, yeah. Does that count as one? That's where the name Koji Radical should come from. It doesn't come from that. In secondary school, I drew a comic book. I was on the cover of the comic book. I was a superhero. Mm-hmm. And I picked a random name 
I was really into Spider-Man at the time. Mm -hmm. He had the adventures, marvelous adventures of Spider-Man, whatever it was. And um, I was like, all right, cool. The escapades of Koji Radical. Drew it. Went in a big pile of drawings that I had done. Drew, I used to draw comic, like I, was, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. I used to go by a different name and my accounts kept getting hacked. So <laughs> when I signed up to like, I don't know, Facebook or Twitter or something. I was looking around and I see the comic book. Escapades of Code Radical. Code Radical. And it was a username before I ever decided to be music related. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got into music, I was like, I can't get another name. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it became Code Radical and I think I, I grew into the name. Yeah, I love the name. Thank you. I do. And you still you still doing cartoons and comics? Yes, I'd like no. to see the Koji Radical comics. <laughs> everyone, everyone would. I mean, do you know what I want to do? I want to I wanna voice acting animation. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. Like, I've retired my pencil and I've given them my voice mm -hmm. and, and they need to use it well because I feel like I could do it. I you could, could do that. You I could, could do, do that. that, man. I could do that. Trust me. I think that's the, that's the dream is to like do a mad like voice for... Um, a major character in like a new cartoon or an anime or something. Okay, manifesting, make it happen. Um, I mean, you've got a great look. Um, Thank you. This is this is another question. Um, Appreciate it. Who are your kind of style icons and fashion inspirations? Ah, I hate that question because it's like, who cares? You just wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and you put on what makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. If you are comfortable. Doesn't matter if everybody in the world goes and goes, oh, that's a nice outfit. Somebody's gonna go, I like that colour in you today. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's gonna be enough. And you're gonna build upon that. You're gonna know, like, all right, cool, like, I like wearing that with this. I might put that on with that. Like, there's people that I rated when I was, was growing up because they didn't care. They didn't really give a fuck. Like, mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That like Andre 3000, mm -hmm. didn't give a fuck. Q tip, didn't really give a fuck. Um, Grace Jones, love Grace Jones. Like, Fucking bad people, man. Fucking, uh, who, who styled Kill Bill? Give them a raise. That's like, do you know what I mean? Like, things like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you put on a yellow and black tracksuit, you're not thinking, ah, oh, there's, there's a costume designer that made everyone love yellow and black. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking Uma Thurman was kicking ass in that. And that's all that matters, isn't it? And you're not going to go, oh, my greatest style icon was Uma Thurman. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like, this is wavy. I look like a bumblebee today. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> there's, 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 there's so many different things. There was a kid at my uni that everyone used to call him sock boy. Mm -hmm. He used to wear his socks over his trousers and pull them up to there. Mm -hmm. Can't remember what summer it was, but I feel like it was recently. So everyone with their socks over there. Yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah. They, they it's about two years of that. Exactly. Mm. They ridiculed that boy into the ground. He's sock a style boy. icon. Look at sock boy now. Look at sock boy now. <laughs> Who's laughing now? Uh, exactly. So I think it could come from anywhere, man. Sock boy, I salute you, man. Mm -hmm. Um, another reader question, what inspires you to make the type of music that you make? Brackets, great music by the way. What inspires me? I don't know. I have no idea. I am, I am a servant of creativity. I, I wake up and think, how do I contribute to something that would exist without me? Mm -hmm. And I remove the ego in saying that it needs me. I need music. Mm -hmm. I need art. I need to create in order for me to survive. I'm a servant. So wherever I find that inspiration from, I'm just grateful. 
but mm -hmm. I managed to make something. Mm -hmm. And finally, what does greatness mean to you? I feel like greatness is like a milestone on the way to something better. Mm -hmm. Greatness is there. You can achieve greatness, you can be great at anything. But there's something past it, do you know what I mean? And I think um, when you hit greatness, press start, scroll down, hit save, save the game. So if you turn it off and on again, you can always go back to the point of greatness mm -hmm. and carry on going, do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you're never going to be the greatest Pokemon trainer if you just stop at the eight gyms. Mm -hmm. That's pretty great, eight gyms. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Roll the Tape with Days and Rizzler. This has been the wonderful, charismatic Koji Radical. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Take it easy. It.